Welcome to the 710 Postscript Podcast. 710 is a family of young adults committed to following Jesus, serving one another, and kingdom living for the good of our city. My name is Lish. And my name is Jade. We are your co-hosts. Join us for this first season as we laugh and talk about practical ways to live out what we are learning. Oh, and P.S., don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us for our first 710 podcast. Again, my name is Lish, and I am on the staff for 710 Family Ministry. I'm joined by my co-host. Hi, my name is Jade. I'm also within the 710 staff family. Um, I'm so excited to be doing this right now. Um, We just wanted to thank you for listening to our very new podcast. Whether you're new to 710 or faithful regular, we are really glad that you are here. And we thought that a great way to start off our podcast would be by interviewing Corey Casperson, who's the brand new pastor of 710. What's up, everybody? Welcome, Corey. We're so glad to have you. Um, So we just want to kick off the podcast by just starting with like some basics. So maybe just tell us a little bit, Corey, about yourself, your background, how old you are, where you're from, uh, childhood things. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Crystal, as of three years. Um, I was born in Newport Beach, California. And then after about a year and a half, my family moved to Montana because California is expensive. So we went to the opposite extreme to Montana. We lived in Billings and then my dad got a job transfer after a couple of years. We went up to Seattle and then I was in Seattle for about five years. And then my family hated overcast weather. And so we came down to Arizona. My dad got a job transfer and then I've been in Arizona since I was eight years old. Okay, so let me get this straight. There are four different kinds of like demographics you just went through surfer Cali vibes. You yes. went to Montana. Does that go as like country boy? Could we call you that? Please never call me a country boy. I am anything but a country boy. Okay, I'll we take went, California over Montana. How then about we that? went to Seattle, which is like ultra mega hipster. Definitely not me, if you know me at all. And now you're a Phoenician. Yeah, but I'm a Seahawks fan. Mm. I do claim that from Seattle. Yes, that's true. We'll let you have that because you are from Seattle. Yep. Kind of. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's talk a little bit about like your growing up would you say that you come from a christian family like wh- how did you like what is your experience with church and being around church and just like the family of god yeah so my family uh raised me in the church i, lo- I remember loving jesus from like second grade like genuinely being brought in and overwhelmed with there's like a little school play or something like that that I remember just like hearing a song by I'm sure it was like Stephen Stephen Curtis Chapman or something like that and I was just like overcome with the love of Jesus and from that age on it was just kind of like this growing awareness of who God was in the world and was in my life my family was um they were raised like assembly of God so I kind of came from an assembly of God background and then uh I went to the City Church, uh, which I think is now Church Home by Judas Smith in oh. Seattle. So that's where my family came from. Uh, yeah, and then we came down to Arizona. There was probably like two churches that I was at before I ended up at Redemption. But I've always been really close to the church. But I was I would say it wasn't until like my freshman year of college 
that I actually was like a part of a church family, mm. like living within the community of God. It was always, I was a participant in a crowd. Yeah. Mm. Um, but I had this, I really did have a strong personal relationship with Jesus from like a really young age. Mm. So would you say that you always wanted to be a pastor? Like if someone were to ask you when you were in second grade, like, Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? Would you have said like, yeah, I want to be a pastor or no, I would have said I would have been a professional baseball player. What? Okay. Isn't that like every like kid who's like eight years old, like he wants to do something like insane like that? I want I legitimately like all I all I wanted to be was a baseball player. I think I mean I played baseball from the time I could hold a bat until high school and I quit because I got burnt out. But all that aside, um yeah, probably my senior year of high school, I had this growing awareness of my just I really wanted to lead people into uh, experiencing Jesus. And so I remember being a senior on my football team, seeing the incoming freshmen, seeing how little they were. And I was like, I want to take some of these kids aside and do a Bible study with them. And so mm. I started doing that. And then I realized, like, I really, really, like, love this. It makes me come alive. Mm. And uh, I think it was probably at that moment that I started to have an inclination, which was a drawing of the Holy Spirit, to start considering um, vocational ministry. I think all Christians are in full-time ministry, but maybe my specific lane being kind of pastoral work. Uh, but I was terrified at that idea for, for many reasons. So I kind of kept it quiet. What were one of the reasons you were terrified? Um, you know, I kind of have like this disposition of fear, uh, that I can carry when I'm operating not out of the Lord and the refreshment and presence of Jesus. So I was just kind of, honestly, I was afraid I'd be really bad at it. Um, I hated any idea of being on a stage in front of people. Um, so that terrified me. And then I was like, oh, I know pastors don't make very much money. So I like, do I really want to sign up for a life of less? Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like insecurity, fear, um, just not sure like can I actually make ends meet doing that Hmm. but I really felt drawn to it yeah um I in hearing you like talk about yeah feeling drawn to it and then even with your insecurities your fears the things that maybe you question it sounds like it was really clear to you from some point that like this is the way that God was leading you um and I think it's so easy for people to um, really like want to know what is it that God wants me to do? Like, what is his calling for my life? What is his will for me? To the point where I think that sometimes people can just be so paralyzed by fear or by maybe in their minds doing what they think is the wrong thing. Like, I'm not going to be in God's will that they don't move forward into anything. What would you, how would you encourage young adults, especially because we are talking to young adults, how would you encourage them in that idea of like, what is God's will for my life? Specifically, I guess when it comes to like your career or vocation, mm. um, just when people are trying to navigate, like, what do I want to do with my life? Yeah. I think with my story, like it all started with like when I, my freshman year of college, when like God hit me in a, it felt like a second conversion, you know, like, Oh, Jesus came afresh. He came like the more, the most real I've ever experienced him to be. And I really had the sense of like, I, whatever I do, I don't know what it will be, but I, I want it to be all for Jesus. And starting from a place that like, if you are a Christian, 
before you get lost in your specific vocation and calling, like you have a vocation as a believer. Mm. And uh, we, as the people of God, have a vocation. It doesn't matter what you do. Um, doesn't matter if you work fast food or if you're, you know, you're killing it, making millions of e- millions a year. Like you, we are representatives of Jesus and we bring the presence with Christ with us everywhere we go. And so I think sometimes you can get lost in the future of what's next before you realize, hmm. oh, like where I am right now is where God has called me to be right now. And where I am right now, Jesus wants me to be his representative there. Um, I think that kind of starts from a place of peace and then trust that like we actually do serve a God who brought all things into existence and who sustains everything by the word of his power. And so if he has a call on your life, then he's going to lead you into that call. Um, and remembering where you are currently is the place that God is calling you to be. There's this verse in First uh, Corinthians. Uh, I won't pull it up, but it's First Corinthians seven seventeen. It says, uh, Paul's talking to the First Corinth- the Corinthian church, and he says, everybody should live as a believer where the Lord has assigned them. And uh, I, I love. I call it the kingdom assignment. Like we all have a kingdom assignment where we're at. But then I would probably start out, I mean, because everybody's really asking, like, I really do feel like there's a deeper sense of like, what am I actually supposed to do with my life? Yeah. Um, I would just be, I would start really practical and I would say, first, um, start with needs in the world. Like what needs out in the world do I resonate with? Because as people, as the people of God, we're a people of service. So like what, when you look out into the world and see the needs that our society need, like needs, what do I resonate with? And then what, so you look outside, then you look within and you go, all right, well, what gifts do I have? What capabilities do I have that can meet needs? Um, What deficiencies do I have that limit me to be able to um, step into that area? And then kind of what job overlaps with the gifts I have, the deficiencies I have, with the needs in the world, and then processing that in community. We don't process vocation super often within the context of the local church, but God has given us the family of God, and that's often the way that he speaks to us. And uh, you really need a friend. You guys know the, uh, the person who's like, I want to be an artist when I'm older. And then you've heard him sing, and you're like, you're never going to be an artist. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we all have one. You of You know what I'm saying? Know. At least. Yeah. <laughs> but and, and then because we want to be a nice person, we we tell that person, oh, yeah, like, you know, we we just don't acknowledge it. You need a friend that's going to be honest with you. Yeah. To be realistic about like, hey, like you're really gifted in this area and you're really not gifted in that. And somebody who is able to speak uh, straightforward to you about like that's that's a that's somebody that you really want in your life. So I would say in the context of community, as you look within, as you look out in the world, um, and then trusting that like God will open the doors that he wants you to walk through. But um, I will say one last thing on that. You have to leave space for the fall in vocation. Um, the fall of mankind and the, um, the introduction of sin into the world really happened, which means... Uh, I mean, in Genesis 3, part of the curse was there'll be thorns and thistles with your work, which means that sometimes um, because of the fall, like we actually don't get to live into the full potential of our call because there's thorns and thistles. And that's what keeps us longing for the renewed world when all things will be made new. But there is a reality which like, oh man, my biggest dreams probably won't all be reached because the fall actually happened. I don't mean that to be 
you know, a Debbie Downer. But I think it just puts things in perspective to be like, sometimes things just don't always work out perfectly. And that's kind of part of life. But either way, we're representatives of Jesus wherever we're at. Yeah. Being a hope filled realist, like Paul said. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Yep. That was so good. Yeah. I think that can give you a lot of peace when you can come to terms with that of not everything that I want to do or feel good at is going to like actually come to fruition. And I was thinking about this quote a lot while you were talking, Corey, because you emphasized specifically a couple times just being present and knowing that where God has you is where he wants you to be right now. And this, um, there's a quote by Charles Spurgeon that's actually helped me a lot, specifically when it comes to work and different jobs that I've had that maybe I've not always loved and not understood, like, why does God still have me here? Um, but Charles Spurgeon says in this quote, remember this, had any other condition been better for you than the one in which you are, divine love would have put you there. And I just, that quote is so beautiful to me because it is a sweet reminder that no matter what your what questions you're asking or where you're trying to see yourself in the future, God has a purpose for where he has you in the present. Mm-hmm. And that's just such, like when you can really come to terms with that, it lets you be at peace. Lish, I literally thought about that quote yesterday lying in my bed. I thought about that contemplating like in my head. That is so funny that you said that. <laughs> and I remember you telling me that a year ago. I still remember. It's so good. Yeah, sometimes you find yourself in a place that you don't want to be. And not only where you don't want to be, but where you're actually not gifted to be. I, so I started coming to Redemption when I was 19 years old. I, it was 2015. Um, actually, I was 18 when I started coming to Redemption. And then um, started interning. At this point, I really felt the call of the Lord to ministry here at Gilbert. Um, but there came a year, probably a year and a half into my internship where I had to leave from working here. And that was one of the hardest things that ever happened because I had a bunch of fear like, oh, man, like if I'm called to be here, now I have to make more money for school. Internship isn't going to fly to do that. My scheduling wasn't work. I had to leave and go work for a different company. And it involved like production and building and all these sorts of things of like working with your hands. And I am terrible (laughs) at all of those things. But for a year and a half, I sat in a warehouse and um, I organized a warehouse. I tried my best to do what I was called to do. And I remember going to work, be like, all right, Lord, like all work is service. This is where you called me right now. I feel like you're calling me to ministry, but maybe I won't ever go back to redemption. Maybe I will. And there was a deep sense of like, it was anxiety of like, oh man, what am I going to miss out? But there's also a deep sense of like trust knowing, all right, like if Lord, if you want me back, in ministry there, then it's going to happen. Um, but I was way outside my element at my old job. And now look, God brought you back in your, <laughs> here we are. The and pastor, he's a pastor of 710. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay. I want to use what you said. Um, cause you've talked, you've talked a little bit, you've mentioned, um, just how you can operate out of fear. Um, when you're not coming from a place of maybe being in God's word or in prayer or resting in the Holy Spirit. And I would think that a lot of people that maybe know you know that you're a huge advocate of spiritual disciplines. Um, how do you feel like practicing spiritual disciplines has maybe helped you with some of those things? Um, just when it comes to dealing with like your trust and faith and yeah. Um, well, I would say God's presence is the place that we find healing. And so when you try to, when I try to fix fear or fix anxiety, 
through anything other than the presence of the Lord. I'm not saying there's helpful tools that, you know, people made in the image of God in the world have kind of come up with to help cope with things. But like, I'm talking about like true transformation, like that only happens in the presence of God. And the more I, you know, got to know Jesus and the more that I spent time in his word, I started to realize like Jesus did ministry from God's presence. Like, Mm. I think we get it backwards so often, like we do life on our own until we get stressed and then we run back to God's presence to like get filled up to then go run out and get stressed. But I feel like Jesus turned that all back backwards. Like he, he started from God's presence, went out into the world from a place of peace and rest and trust and resetting his heart on his father. And then he got worn out by people and Peter running in his mouth and (laughs) everything else that happened that we don't even know about. And then he Mm. came back in the evenings and went up on the mountain and went with the Lord. And I just found that if I try to do ministry uh, in a different way than Jesus, but expecting the same results in my own heart and in my community that I'm serving in, it just won't work. And I had to learn that the hard way, you know, like I was talking to my wife last night. I was like, when I have a lot on my to-do list at work and I have to preach back to back and write sermons and, you know, care for my team and meet with people. I was like, I'll leave my house at six in the morning to come to work and I'll work until as late as I can. And then I just get burnt out. But God's really teaching me like, no, you have to know your limits. God asks you to be human sized and human sized only. And, uh, to do ministry from a place of his presence, John 15 Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you abide with me, you can bear much fruit. Um, I feel like I've learned to actually take that seriously. And from that place, I've been able to, you know, like, all right, like I really have a lot of confidence in the Lord to do what I'm called to do. And I still slip back into fear in moments. And then I reset and, you know, reset my perspective and ask the Holy Spirit to fill me anew and keep moving forward and trust. Yeah. What would you say is, um, because we've talked about this a little bit, Corey, the idea of, um, what was the language that you put to it? Like the upstream. Oh yes. Yeah. Upstream practices, spiritual practices and and, your downstream downstream. So basically spiritual practices that maybe come easier to you, more natural based off just your personality, how God's created you. And then the ones that are a little bit harder to be in, to practice, what would you say if there was one of each, your upstream and downstream, what, what would you say? Um, I would say downstream by far just reading scripture. Like I've never, I'm not, I don't want to say I've never had a problem reading scripture. I've gone in and out of seasons where being in God's word has been hard or I've been in seasons where I haven't been in God's word, but I genuinely like that has been really easy for me. And I just, I love God's word. I love the story. I love just, chewing on the little nuggets I've just I I think it's because I had such a deep practice from such a young age I remember my mom buying me an NLT Bible for Easter when I was like eight or nine and I just like I go through it now and it's like it's all marked up you know from junior high and stuff but when you start getting into practices like sitting still (laughs) solitude silence um, being able to like sit in God's presence without doing something so to speak Um, I feel like the people that you're closest to, you can be in their presence without having an agenda to having to get Mm. something done. Like the closer my wife and I got with each other, the less I felt like I needed to fill 
the room with conversation. You know, when you're first dating somebody, you're like, what do I say next? <laughs> but we can just sit there and hold hands and drive for 45 minutes and say nothing because we're so close. And I felt like I have, especially the last year or two, like really leaned into just being in God's presence with a cup of coffee or whatever, just to be there and enjoy him. Um, but that as is really, that moves against my natural kind of energy levels and being able to sit still. Jade's nodding because she knows exactly <laughs> what. You were what, so vibrant this morning. Yeah, I cannot sit still. <laughs> it's, I, I have a problem, but I'm working on it. It's okay. It's a part of you. That's all right. That's true. All right. We're going to move a little bit away from like your, your story and um, the things that have brought you, you know, to where you are now in the church and in your vocation and talk about a little bit your personal life. So you've, you kind of mentioned that at the beginning that you're married to Crystal over three years now. Um, and you've talked about her throughout. So I just want to know, this is kind of going to be a three part question. So you can answer it how you would like, or just mush it all together. Oh my gosh. What's <laughs> been, what's been the best part of being married specifically, obviously to Crystal. All right. What's been a hard thing you didn't expect about being married and how has God grown you through your relationship with Crystal? Um, I'll start with the best part. The best part, I, I really think that the best part about marriage is being like having normal life and living with your best friend. Um, I don't know if every, I hope every married couple would be able to say they're married to their best friend, but I really feel like I can say that like sincerely, like Crystal is a handful of joy and fun and we laugh a lot. And one of the things that surprised me about getting married was about how normal it is. Like it's a really big thing that plays out in really normal mundane ways and being able to week in, week out, come home from work with my wife, laugh over dinner, you know eat ice cream together, uh, serve our neighbors in our neighborhood and cry together, laugh together, all that stuff. Like being able to do that with your best friend is incredible. I love it. I would say, man, what's one hard thing I didn't expect. I felt like I genuinely like went into marriage not expecting it to be like super easy. Um, you know, I read Paul David Tripp's book, What Did You Expect? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I need to figure some things out and adjust some expectations. But then you get into marriage and you think you have all your expectations set right. And then you realize you don't. You don't realize what's the classic phrase. You don't realize what expectations you have until they're not met. Um, mm -hmm. But I would say, you know, my wife and I were talking about this last night. I, my first year of marriage was really hard. And I feel like everybody talks about their first year of marriage. And there was a bunch of different reasons why, one, Crystal and I were 22 years old. I was barely 22, so I was really young. Um, you know, you've never, I've never lived with a female my own age before. You know, I had a brothers growing up, a, a, a brother. <laughs> All the dogs were dudes, you know. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's that. And then my wife got a job being a teacher we didn't expect, and... You know, the first year of marriage, you're just trying to like work on your friendship, trying to work on just adjusting to a new rhythm of life. Um, but then she took this job teaching and she probably I'm not even exaggerating. She was probably working 80 to 90 hours a week. Oh, it wow. felt like we're so, you know, we'd get up in the morning. She'd be gone at six something. You know, she'd come home at eight o'clock at night. 
and I would be getting home from work. I'd have 710 all day Tuesday. I wouldn't see her. We'd have small group and then all weekend we'd grade. Like we would just grade all weekend long and not finish. And then the next, so it was just like, literally I felt like there was no space for us just to be. And that was really hard. Um, you know, and then when you have a stressful environment, your worst self comes out. So mm. I was seeing things in me. I'm like, oh, who is this? You know, living inside of me. God's <laughs> like, you didn't know that was there, did you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, all that stuff kind of mixed in a bag. But I felt like the Lord pulled me out of that season and he made me into a man of prayer. Mm. And I wouldn't say I've arrived, but I had like a growth spurt in my prayer life with God. Cause there comes, you know, I can have a person that was like, well, I can make a lot happen myself. You know, I feel like I'm a pretty like driven, like goal oriented person. But when you start realizing, like, Oh Lord, like I can't fix this in me. Lord, like I can't heal that thing in my wife that I really want uh, freedom for her. in, and Lord, I can't make our circumstances better than they are. And, you know, I'm not making a lot of money at the church and Crystal at one point was even in a job where all of her hours got cut from like 60 hours a week to like 10 hours a week. And we're like, how are we going to pay bills? You know, it just kind of made me grow up and just be like, all right, like this is, this is real life marriage with Jesus. And I feel like he's made me into a man of prayer out of it. And my intimacy with Jesus grew like crazy. So that's awesome. Yeah. I You hear people say a lot, or at least I've heard people say a lot, that marriage is one of the most sanctifying experiences you will ever have. Yeah. And it really seems like that's what God has done in both you and Crystal, just yeah. really sanctified you and grown you both. And It's like the magnifying glass. Like It's a magnifying glass on the best parts of you individually and together, and it's a magnifying glass on the worst parts of you and uh, your marriage together. But it's like, that's what makes it amazing. I was like, that's what I love about it. You know, like, I feel like this is, this is real. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, awesome. speaking on one of those, you and Crystal, um, I had a question of what are one or two perks that you, um, that people would benefit knowing about you. One from Crystal and one from <laughs> you, Corey. You said quirks, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> my wife was actually raised Seventh-day Adventist. Like she was Adventist. Um, I don't. Adventist, Adventist. I don't know how it's technically pronounced. I think it's Adventist. Anyways, so a big part of that is being vegetarian. So Crystal's vegetarian. And one of the things that I had to adjust to when we got married, it's like we laugh about it a lot even to this day, but I have a, I have meat pans in the house <laughs> where I'm only allowed to cook meat in. And uh, she has vegetarian pans and I get in big trouble if I start grilling anything or putting anything on the stove that's meat into her pans. So she's very particular about that um yeah I would a quirk about me I think I've already mentioned it I literally can't sit still like that's I, true I, if I'm sitting a leg's bouncing I think people think it's nervous energy I'm like <laughs> it, sometimes probably but most of the time it's I'm just <laughs> need to go do something um apparently Crystal think it's it's a big quirk that I have to shower every morning and every night like you're looking at me weird. Is that weird? Twice a day, Corey? I cannot go to bed without like showering right before. Really? No. Dirt of the day off? I just like, I think, I don't know. I just can't do it. Like I can't fall asleep. Oh. I feel disgusting. Even if I showered at like two o'clock and I didn't do anything after. I have to. What? Which at least you know I'm going to be clean. <laughs> hey, right? That, Not that's smell true. too bad? That's great. I know. Wait, did could be, it could be worse. It could be worse. 
Didn't you just read like an article about showering and it not being good to shower too much? <laughs> I don't even care. It's going it, to, the, the pattern will continue. <laughs> I know. But yeah. Well, this has been fun. As we wrap it up, I just want to ask some fun questions. Um, just some light questions as we kind of wrap up our time today. And it's funny, actually, that you brought up the vegetarian thing, because one of the questions I have is a would you rather question. And it says, would you rather hunt and butcher your own meat or never eat meat again? I feel like as like a guy, I'm supposed to be like, I want to hunt and butcher my own meat. I I have no desire to do that. I mean, I, I think it'd be cool to go on a hunting trip and I like, but no, I was like, just I'll go vegetarian. So basically what you're saying is you can now get rid of your meat pans. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Congrats, Crystal. Okay. Good to know. Would you rather always have an annoying song stuck in your head or always have an itch that you can't reach? Oh, for sure, an annoying song. I think I'd have to agree with you that. You imagine one. sitting there and you just have an itch. Yeah, that you just you can't can never and get you can't to. actually scratch it. As I itch the back of my back. Yes, <laughs> I know. You start to feel itches everywhere. Now. <laughs> exactly. Okay, last one. Would you rather have a mullet for a year, <laughs> or be bald for six months? I go bald. <gasps> you go sure. bald? Yeah. You and Paul could match. I mean, I'm not that far from being bald. Let's just be honest. <laughs> I got like hardly any hair on my head. No, Court, you have so much hair, and your hairline is great. Wow. No. You're shaking your head. Corey does not have a. He, no, yeah. I don't. I have. I've had a buzz cut since like. I can remember. <laughs> and I tried to grow out my hair once and my like my wife hated it. And so that's a story for a different time. <laughs> let's just let's just keep it short. How I would have, I would have to say that as much as I do not like mullets, I would like to see you in a mullet court. That would too. be Nobody fun. would take me seriously that would at be 7 a 10. Fun experience. There's so many hurdles that you have to like <laughs> jump over to like be presentable to people. I'm like that's just one of like if I'm bald they're like, "Eh, whatever. He's yeah. he's just into that bald thing." That's great. Or I have to be bald. Mm, that's true. Hmm. Well, Corey, this has been really fun. And thank you for taking some time out of your busy morning to sit with us and let us get to know you a little bit better. Yeah. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, of course. Congrats We're on the first podcast. Oh, sweet. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah, I really, I'm really excited about this whole 710 year. And I really hope people come up and ask you a bazillion questions now and feel a little bit closer to talk to you and whatnot. I hope so, too. Yeah. yeah. It would be great. Thank yeah. you, guys. That would be great. Well, 710, we are really excited um, to see you all just throughout this next year and get to know you better. And we will see you for the next podcast. Woohoo! See you later. Bye.